Let's all go to the podcast. Let's all go to the podcast. Let's all go to the podcast because it is Schmanners. your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you? Doing okay. You know, good times, bad times. Good times, we have the great times. country. 103.3 WTCR. Sorry, that was the radio station that my dad worked for for a long time. Oh. And their, like, uh, promo, like, call spot was Good times, great country, 103.3 WCCR. <laughs> and so it's hard for me to hear good times without finishing the rest of it. Oh. Great country. Well, that's not a super awesome tagline. What? Well, I mean, sure. I mean, as taglines go, it's fine, I guess. It's fine, I guess. So we're talking about, speaking of my dad, we're talking about drive-ins. Does, why- your, does your dad like a good drive-in? Well, here's the thing. Hmm. Uh, I my my family. There was a drive-in in Huntington on Route sixty that we went to many times. I remember. I think I vaguely recall seeing Aladdin there as part of like a double feature wow. or something. But the real, uh, the real cemented in my mind, uh, drive-in memory is one year a local TV station did for Halloween a like horror movie marathon. Oh. Um and the framework of it was like at the haunted drive in. Hmm. And my dad hosted it in like scary makeup and stuff and like I so I watched it with my friends uh-huh. on Halloween and I would say I was like ten or eleven. And that was the first time I saw Nightmare on Elm Street three. Okay. Which I was Far too young to watch. Oh. But here's the thing. I'll tell you this now. I'm 36. I think I'm still far too young to watch it. <laughs> uh, and it, it, it scarred me in many ways and led to me being terrified that Freddy was going to come, pull the sheets off my bed, and turn me into a puppet. I was not wild about that. So whenever I think about drive-ins, uh-huh. that's, that Okay, is torn between that and the memory of like, we always had minivans growing up because, mm-hmm. you know, there were three of us. And I also remember, like, putting blankets on top of the van, right? And being a little kid and sitting up on top of the van. Oh, like, wow. wrapped up to watch the movie. Because basically, there are... This is one of those things now where I can't recall which one our drive-in had. But there were two kinds of options that I've seen... Uh, as as options for listening to the movie at the drive-in. Option one is like speakers by the parking spots you can pull into that then you like take off a little hook and put in your car. Yes, that's what I've seen in the movies. Uh, or also you can tune to a radio station and it is kind of like a very like localized mm-hmm. radio station that then broadcasts the movie sound through your car speakers. Oh. Uh, so I can't remember which one it was. Hmm. Uh, but here's what I recall 
of drive-through experience as far as like functionality goes that you would pull in park somewhere and then there was like a main building that had like the projector in it and also like the concessions area okay but here's what i cannot recall unless there was some unfortunate teenager diligently checking your car why weren't you just bringing in concessions from the outside they must have been checking it, right? I, I don't know. Because there was also a whole thing of basically, I believe you paid by the person that came in and not by the vehicle. Oh. So that's why you often see in movies, too, the reference to like putting people in the trunk and sneaking people in that way mm. so that you wouldn't have to pay for them. Anyways, all of this is so outdated. I guarantee <laughs> there's like a bunch of 14-year-olds listening to this like, what are they talking about? Well, I mean- my only experience with drive-ins is uh, is the movies, the fifties, the sixties. You know that I like that iconic scene in Greece. Yeah, um, it's referenced a lot. I think that there is a thing of like it was referenced a lot in eighties movies mm-hmm. set in the fifties, right? Because a lot of those movies that I've seen are commentaries on the movies of the 50s right. like like Greece is well and there's also the scene in uh back to the future 3 3 where they're in the 50s and he's trying to get back to the past to get Doc Brown mm-hmm. and like they're at the drive in he's like but when I crash into that wall and it's like that wall won't be there when you go through right um yeah it's weird that it was like there's a lot of that and i think it has to do this has nothing to do with etiquette by the way but i think <laughs> what you see a lot is like movies that are looking back at a time period will reference things that they think are iconic there that maybe younger audiences watching won't necessarily understand, but people who are like, I would love to watch a movie about the 80s would totally get. Right. Now, like, if our, you know, like, here it is 2020, so I imagine there's lots of movies people are writing that are, like, set in the 90s, Mm -hmm. where it's like, I can imagine, like, 18-year-olds being like, what are they talking about? (laughs) And me being like, yeah, this was everywhere. This was totally everywhere. But I am curious of, like, how popular were drive-ins actually what is i imagine the history of drive-ins isn't like the some things we've talked about where it's like in ancient egypt <laughs> no they uh, projected are, on the side of the pyramids you are correct a, a couple things are needed for drive-ins um one is a car mm-hmm. right and the other one is movie uh technology right yes. so i don't think as you couldn't like hold up <laughs> What, uh, 10 types in front of a bright enough candle and project it onto a big wall? Probably not. Not like that. Um, But how old do you think they are? Uh, I'm going to say 1912. So close. Great job, by well, the way. Well, I cheated a little bit. <gasps> what? Well, did been, you read the copy? No, no, I didn't oh. read the copy. Okay. I have been uh, listening to a podcast called The Abandoned Carousel. Uh, that's all about amusement parks and like abandoned amusement parks. Mm. Uh, and they talked about one... Uh, that was, I believe, called Royal Land that was started by a guy who, like, built a bunch of, like, drive-ins. And that's oh, okay. how he made his money. So they talked about drive-ins and what I – well, we'll get to it. But, okay. Okay. So I'm, I'm guessing around then. So the first recorded drive-in pops up on April 23rd, 1915 in New Mexico. Okay. Um, it was a partial drive-in, which seated about 700 people in an auditorium, but also had automobile entrances and space for, like, about 40 cars to fit on what the theater a grounds. weird 
combination to have one or the other makes sense to me. But a combination of both is weird. Is that common? Were there drive-ins that you could go sit at? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Obviously, there were. Okay. This is it's one. just weird. It's just, I. But that doesn't make sense too, because in 1915, you'd have to think that like one cars were not mainstream the way they are now. Like for so for a long time, well, there definitely weren't as many of them. That's for well, sure. but also there wasn't the necessity for them, right? Because this is another thing that I learned from that podcast, right? Is that one of the reasons that drive-ins kind of took off is, and I might be stepping on your toes, and I apologize if I am, but I'm excited <laughs> that I might know something. And it's that when when at the time most people lived in city centers or in like towns, right? Right. And it wasn't until post World War II that people started moving out to the suburbs, at which point cars became a necessity instead of just a luxury, because you would have to get to places to go shopping, to go do things, to go to restaurants. Everything wasn't in walking distance the way it was in like the 1915s. Exactly. So um, another milestone happens in 1921 um, when... There is a drive-in opened in Texas where he had to get a a permit from the city to project movies downtown, right? So you would uh, park the cars bumper to bumper, and you can watch a silent film from the the comfort of your automobile. That must have been a lot easier to figure out drive-ins when it was silent. And it was just like, we don't have to worry about people. When they started adding sound to movies, drive-ins were probably like, well, what are we... What are we supposed to do with this? <laughs> well, so before that, it was kind of, it wasn't really, I would say it was definitely a novelty, but it was more like a pop-up kind of thing yeah. for a lot of these drive-ins. Um, and it was like a, a man with a projector type thing. Yeah. Uh, charging people to sit in their cars. Uh, but in 1933, the very first patented drive-in was opened in New Jersey um, by Richard Hollingshead. Okay. Um, he thought that many of the movie seats, the, like the theater seats of the day, uh, were uncomfortable. Uncom- Wildly uncomfortable. If you have never been in like an old auditorium, and I, I having done uh, theater a lot of my life, and now um, touring places and doing a lot of old vaudeville theaters. Thank God a lot of them have, like, updated and are wonderful and totally comfortable to sit in. But every so often you will see, like, the old seats sitting around, and they're just kind of wooden, like, slabs Mm -hmm. that have a little bit of curve to them so that, like, there is a place where your butt would settle into them. Yeah. And the backs are pretty much straight, like, you know, like, wood. There's, like, very little padding to them. Uh, they were designed for, you know, function over over uh, comfort most of the time. Right. Um. So what started as kind of a mini drive-in for him and his mother, where he could be comfortable, um, quickly blossomed into... Uh, a 400-slot theater with a 40-by-50-foot uh, screen. Um, and uh, interestingly, not only was the comfort part of the the selling point, it was also he advertised the whole family is welcome, regardless of how noisy the children are. See, okay, we'll get into this more and we'll keep talking about it. There are many added benefits, I think, to this idea, to, to the drive-in as as a whole 
um, and I'm not going to get into it now, but this is one, right? The ability to like, at now, I have a three and a half year old. Well, we have, I'm not, <laughs> I have, and Teresa has a three and a half year old <laughs> and like a six month old, right? And right. the idea of like, right now, taking the six month old even to the theater is like out of the question. The three and a half, BB can sometimes sit through a movie. She has seen a couple movies in theaters and done well. Frozen 2 was more or less great. Uh, Toy Story 4, more or less great. But there's lots of questions that come up. There's lots of talking. And the idea of being able to put our whole family in the car, let BB ask questions, let baby dot make baby noises, and not worry about interrupting the experience of others is a huge benefit. Right. And uh, I'm not going to lie. It, it feels a lot safer to me in the current uh, climate. This is this is benefit number two. You're in your own individual pod, right? Yes. Um, and especially, I mean, if you, uh, we'll, we'll talk about this, but if you bring your own food, the only reason that you would have to leave the car would be to use any restroom facilities. And that can be accomplished with a bucket. You know what I mean? Oh, and then you don't leave the... No, or Gross. you could like Flintstones, like cut a hole in the bottom of your car. Bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> Illegal. Illegal. Yes. Oh man. <laughs> anyway, uh, so that one, that particular theater didn't last very long, but the idea was off and running, right? Yeah. Um, so, well, and because it does seem, especially this is a thing that you find a lot in in pop culture especially, but like novelty mm-hmm. being a huge selling point for something like this. Um, especially during this time. I mean, it's why I think you see also another reference in the 50s kind of movies is like people wearing those 3D glasses that are like right, blue yeah. and red. It's like, was it great? I don't know. Was it novel? For sure. And just like you mentioned, it really peaked uh, after World War II when, you know, you you could have a family car even if you didn't live within the city limits, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so also there was no more fuel rationing after the war. So being in your car was something that people were ready and willing to do. Well, and not only that, one of the biggest things was that at this point, this is where air conditioning started to become standard in cars, mm-hmm. right? So it became more and more comfortable to be in your car um, and, you know, as opposed to, um, you know, sitting there with the windows down on air conditioned trying well, to enjoy a movie. Also, I do, do recall that movies had to be shown at night. So it probably wasn't super. Well, hot. that's, that I would say is one of the big downsides of the drive in theater is that it can only operate after dark. Yes. We're going to talk more about drive in theaters, but first, I want to thank you know for our sponsors. I want to tell you about DoorDash. Woohoo! I love DoorDash. Door slow, you ask? No, no. No. DoorDash. You can continue supporting restaurants in your community safely. There are thousands of restaurants open for delivery on DoorDash that you need your patronage now more than ever. Support your favorite restaurants on DoorDash. Can I tell you, everyone at home, a little thing that happened. What happened? Our air conditioning. <gasps> yes, it did. It was hot. So hot. Hot, folks. And you know what we didn't want to do? Cook. Turn on the (laughs) oven or fire in any way. So we popped open that DoorDash app, and we got ourselves some dinner, and it was easy. You just open that app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. 
Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open that app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left at your door. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off of their first order of $15 or more and zero delivery fees for their first month when you download the DoorDash app and enter code SCHMANNERS. That's $5 off your first order and zero delivery fees for a month when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code SCHMANNERS. Don't forget, that's code SCHMANNERS for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Teresa, I want to tell you one more thing. Okay. It's Lay it on me. Four letters. Yeah. And a funny sounding word. Uh, poop. That, okay. <laughs> a much different direction than okay. I was going with. Okay, okay. Hey, folks, before we get any further, <laughs> do not brush your teeth with poop. Brush your teeth with quip. With quip. Yes. Hey, listen, you know, sometimes now where it's like, I don't have to go to work. I don't, I'm not going to go see my friends. I'm not going to be out in public. It can be easy for your daily routine to kind of slide a little bit. And maybe you haven't been as good about your oral hygiene because you're not thinking about it. And the only one smelling your breath is you. Well, put on a mask, smell your own breath and say, oh, time to brush my teeth. Yes. Right. I will say, masks, great. Everyone should wear them. That's just a helpful tip from us to you. That's right. Not just etiquette. But, but prerequisite, you should brush your teeth. You should brush your These are both things yes. independently you should do. And together, you should especially a do. A winning combination. Plus, I just love Quiv. <laughs> like, I'm a big fan. I would be talking about it even if they weren't sponsoring us. I, because here's the thing. Before Quip. I was one of the 75% of people who used old, worn-out bristles that are ineffective, and I was hardly ever flossing. And I was not brushing for long enough. No, because you sit there, and unless you have a timer going, you're like, that was like two minutes, and it was like two seconds, because the Quip electric toothbrush has timed sonic vibrations that with 30-second pulses to guide a dentist-recommended two-minute routine, and be honest with yourself, are you? And there's a size-down version designed for kids. It's great. And the their anti-cavity toothpaste in mint or watermelon is amazing. Their mint toothpaste is like my favorite toothpaste ever. You get all the ingredients teeth actually need and none that they don't. And they have floss. And you can get Quip brush heads, toothpaste, and floss refills automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5 each. It's a friendly reminder when it's time to refresh and stay committed to your oral health and shipping is free. So go to getquip.com slash schmanners right now and you'll get your first refill free. That's your first refill free at getquip.com slash schmanners. That's spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash schmanners. Quip, the good habits company. Hey, you've reached Dr. Game Show. Leave your message after the beep. Hi, this is Sarah, and I'd like to tell you about Dr. Game Show. Dr. Game Show is a band of geniuses or nerds or brilliant artists or kids or some combination of all of those who get together to make a show like no other that's family friendly. It's an interactive call-in game show podcast. When I found Dr. Game Show, I found joy. I told my friends and family that if they weren't listening, they were wasting joy. I sent them the episodes that made me laugh until I cried, played it for them in the car. They laughed too, laughed their butts off, but they still don't listen on their own. So they're wasting joy. And I keep looking for someone to understand me. Maybe it's you. Give Dr. Game Show a listen and find joy. Listen to Dr. Game Show on Maximum Fun. New episodes every other Wednesday. All right. 
So um, we're back. We're back. Okay. In so the- when last we left off, we were driving in. No, we were not uh, driving. Not yet. Nope. Not okay. yet. Uh, cool. we, we're going to reach the heyday, right? The heyday of the drive-in movie theater reached about 4,000 theaters across the U.S. Huh. This is just a U.S. number. Drive-in movie theaters became popular internationally. Okay. That's, I will say, way more than I would have expected. Um, it was billed as a kind of like family-friendly outing. Um, at this point in time. Well, because um, that's the other thing is a lot of the times, right? Along with parking in there, people would arrive fairly early. Mm-hmm. So I, I seem to remember this at the drive-in in, in that I went to, but I definitely have seen it in others. And that might also just be because I think there's a drive-in in Fallout 4 that I remember <laughs> going to. But a lot of them had like playgrounds and yep. like... Uh, like barbecue areas where you mm-hmm. could like, you know, grill and stuff and like have a picnic before the movie started. Right. So people would like get there early and kind of make an evening of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because you could, you know, roll up in your pajamas, uh, you could bring your kids usually for free and they could sleep in the back while you watch the movie from the front seat. That's why I also remember like in the movie theater, the drive-in that I went to that a lot of times it was like a double feature. Mm-hmm. Well, because also, if you think about it, if you have to wait until it gets dark, we're talking like nine o'clock sometimes. In the middle later. of summer, even right. later sometimes. Yeah. And so you're not really going to be able to show one movie, clear everyone out, mm-hmm. and then bring people back in. Like, right. it's just not going to happen in cars. So you would do a double feature. And normally the first movie was like more aimed at kids. Right. And Makes the sense. second movie wasn't like R rated or anything, but it was a little more. Uh, like for adults, because the thought being, yeah, by 1030, the kids are asleep. Right. Right. So you bring your kids, you get the kid movie first, and then you're watching something a little more adult, like PG-13. Right. That was a great way to grab audience members. But also you could have, they had uh, drawings for prizes, helicopter or hot air balloon rides. There could be petting zoos, musical groups before and after the show. Um, Sometimes even the movie stars made personal appearances to open their movies at a drive-in. See, they made it. I think that that was another thing is when you think about drive-ins, because they were having to compete with the existence of theaters, mm-hmm. right? That they had to kind of work harder. Um, and you see this a lot in in businesses that are like disruptor businesses, where it's like they work really hard, and then they become popular too. And then like, cool, time to ease off. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, no. No. Um, some drive-ins would host Sunday religious services mm-hmm. or offer $1 a car deals on slower days like Wednesdays and Sundays. Some had miniature golf courses, swimming pools, motels with large windows facing the screen so you oh, could genius. even watch the movie from your bed. That's like a lion theater. It is a lion. Uh, so one of the largest drive-in theaters to host many of these amenities was the Johnny Allweather Drive-In in New York. The Johnny Allweather Drive-In. That's right. It covered 29 acres and had space for 2,500 cars. Wow. It had a full-service restaurant with seating on the roof and a trolley system to take kids and adults to a playground. They offered a large indoor theater for bad weather and those who wanted to watch the movie in air conditioning. And this seemed to be the the vacation destination for all of New York for a long time. Yeah, makes sense. 
Where was it at in New York? Do you know? It was in Cop Copiog Capalgi. Oh, spell it. C O P I A G U E. C O P I A G U E. Okay, yeah. So this is like Long Island ish, right? So this is like near ish. Uh, so this is like Long Island, right? So this is like out there, kind of away from Manhattan, away from the Bronx. Everything. This is, okay. I can see where this is. Great. I got it. Got now, it. Now I'm picturing it. Now this is where I think my experience watching movies commentating on the drive-in movie theater starts. During the fifties, drive-ins also got their reputation for being quote passion pits well yeah privacy 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 right well that's right um and it got to be such a widely accepted cultural thing that drive-ins might slip in some modesty rules in between their ads for like snack bar and next week's features um one of the ones included on my copy says hello young lovers whoever you are Mm. we're glad the love bug has caught up with you but we must insist that you do not allow his bite to affect your conduct while in this theater. Ah. Uh. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Is another thing I remember. Oh, there's a Pete and Pete episode, I believe, where they go to a drive-in. And Endless Mike, uh, which is perhaps one of the greatest character names ever, Endless Mike Hellstrom, um, like loans his car to old Pete to take Ellen. God, I remember everything about the show. <laughs> so the drive in, and he's telling him, like, you gotta roll up the windows and you gotta get a good steam going on the windows so that you can have privacy in there for a makeout sash. Ooh. Uh by the way, I looked it up. Uh the the drive in in Huntington was simply called the East Drive In. East Drive In Theater. Okay. Um, and it had spots for a thousand cars. Um and it, let's see. It had the concession stand, um, and there was places where you could, uh, you know, set up chairs. Um, it opened in the early 1950s. Um, yeah, and they had they had both. They had the speakers and the system that would broadcast into your cars. Uh, and then people stopped going in like the 80s. Well, so during the 70s is yeah. where we start to see them decline, right? People were downsizing their cars because the inflated cost of gas and instead of having those, you know, big beautiful station wagons, uh things started getting a little more snug and uncomfortable as efficiency tried to rule the day, right? Mm-hmm. Um so drive-ins really tried to keep their profits up. Um by starting to lose the family-friendly content we were yeah. talking about and move towards, like, slasher films and yeah. things like that, right? Um, but then, once the VCR took off, it seemed more fun to be, you know, at home well, yeah. watching the movies than it did to be in your car. I guarantee a smarter person than me could, like make a really, really strong case and do like a timeline that shows the decline of the drive-in corresponding directly with the increase of like the home rental store. Right. Right. The blockbuster, the like, because this is the thing we were talking about the other day, and I don't know if this is the place for it or not, but it's hard for me to have thoughts and not share them publicly. Of course. (laughs) Um, But we were talking about like, 
that uh, as as is often the case with many generations our generation is a very transitional one and like it's weird to think how many things when we were kids like was a thing and then by the time we were like teenagers and like 20 somethings was a different thing and now that we're like in our 30s is a completely different thing exactly and so like i remember being a kid and like when vcrs came out Mm -hmm. so it was like you went from if you didn't watch it when it was on tv if you didn't see it when it was on in the theaters that was it like you just you just didn't see it Right. There was no like, well, I'll catch it later or whatever, because you couldn't stream, you couldn't like buy it on VHS, you couldn't rent it, right? And then you transitioned into, well, we we recorded it, we set the VCR to record it when it was on, or we go to Blockbuster and get it. Or you could buy it eventually, yeah. Right. To now, it's all stream. You don't even have to go to the store. You can have a moment's impulse of like, oh, I haven't watched The Rocketeer in forever, (laughs) and just putting it on, right? And so like- I remember as a kid, just we had that that cabinet that ho- housed all of our uh, VHSs, and just opening those the two handles of that cabinet, looking in, and it was almost like, ah, I can watch whatever I want, right? Uh, and now uh, we have a DVD cabinet, a lot like that, that I haven't opened. Can we in don't touch in a year? I mean, you know, there's pluses and minuses. I used to say, like, the DVDs were still superior in many ways because they had the special features. But now you can buy it, like, digitally, and it comes with special features. Our dad had, uh like, four of those cabinets and an intricate, wow. uh like, catalog system and, like, numbered VHS tapes where he had recorded shows and movies and stuff from tv and a card catalog that you could go through to see like what was on and like probably two thousand just like vhs tapes where he'd recorded stuff on tv so you could go back and say like i want to watch that episode of a team and like find out what was on that vhs and flip through the like vhs card catalog to figure out what number it was on and all this stuff whoa yeah and then you think hey you should have been spending more time with your family (laughs) i'm just kidding it's great (laughs) But I can see where, right, the it's like two ends of the spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. With movie theaters kind of in the middle. But like drive-ins being this like, this is my space that I'm bringing with me. Right. And then on the other side of that being home movie watching, where you're like, this is my space where I'm bringing the movie to me. Exactly. Not only that, but also it's really easy to close a drive-in. Yeah. Um, because you needed, uh, fifth, like about 15 acres of land in order to even host a drive in that has enough room to make it profitable. So you could just sell off that land. And starting in like the inflation times of the seventies and eighties, it was so much more profitable to sell that land. And a lot of the places where drive ins used to be are now malls and flea lockets flea market lots and storage facilities that's what happened to the east drive-in and huntington it uh you know it sold to walmart mm -hmm. uh in 1993 and actually now the walmart is even gone it's like a medical uh like internal medicine plaza thing Mm. but like that's the thing is if you if you've never looked if you've never been to a drive-in if you look at an empty drive-in it is more or less a giant parking lot yep with like a screen and a small outbuilding that was like the concessions, the bathrooms, the right. It's 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 
cheap to bulldoze and it's a huge amount of land. So there's not even, because this is what happened a lot with like um, these very fancy like vaudeville theaters, right? Even predating movie theaters was they were like so beautiful, so fancy that like even if they went out of business, they would still sit there or while people were like, what do we do with this? Exactly, yeah, what do we do with this building, this thing we don't want to get rid of? Whereas with a drive-in movie theater, there's nothing there. No, like you you could demolish it in a day, you know? Um, so by the late 1980s, the total number of drives in, drive-ins still operating in the U.S. and Canada was down to less than 200. <sighs> what a dip, right? That is, like I said, the novelty thing of like, I don't know that movie theaters will, uh, well, I say that, but now with things going direct to home streaming, maybe we'll see a difference in it. But I think the experience of like big blockbuster movies will always be better until we have gigantic screen screens in our home that accomplish the same thing. Whereas I think like home movie rental uh and and drive ins and stuff was such a novelty thing that until a better novelty replaced it. I mean I guess I should say once a better novelty replaced it, it went from four what, four thousand screens mm-hmm. to two hundred or whatever. Yeah. Well so it's not dead. There are still drive-in movie theaters, and with the uh, advent of the home projector system, people started hosting their own, quote, drive-in movie experiences for their neighbors, for their, you know, you could even do it for your house, just project it on your garage door or whatever. They make inflatable screens that are like 50 bucks that like blow up into, you know, like a 12 foot wide, eight foot high screen that you can project a movie onto in your backyard. Um, so there's another movement going with the the drive-in, I would say, a blueprint called the Gorilla Drive-In. Um, and it's a group of dedicated artists that organize outdoor screenings that you pretty much take care of online, right? You sell the tickets and, and things like that. Um, and then so these screenings are held in like um, – abandoned warehouses or projected on bridge pillars or or things like that. I bet old amusement parks fall into there too. Certainly. And one of the best known is Oakland's Liberation. Um, And then there are several more in California. I I actually know about this because I researched it when we lived in LA and I never Ah. got to go. But they do like these huge themed ones. Mm -hmm. And like you can find, I highly recommend looking it up. They did one for Back to the Future where they like rebuilt Hill Valley and like had a DeLorean and like had people in cosplay and like they it's almost like a midway where there's like food trucks right yeah this the smaller kind of boutique experience right it becomes like a full-blown event exactly um there's one here in ohio what the holiday auto theater in ohio hosts the terror at the drive-in uh oh no every scary movies uh well so they do a three film feature uh friendly halloween classic a new horror film and then a vintage slasher Okay, if they show Hocus Pocus, I'll stay for that. I'll go to that. <laughs> or maybe like a Coraline. That's the thing, man. <laughs> this is getting way off topic. But our Halloween traditions tend to revolve around like Paranorman, Hocus Pocus. <laughs> and even before we had kids, yeah. Teresa and I were like, let's just watch we Coraline. We like cartoons better. Yeah, I don't want to actually be scared. 
Um, so there was a little bit of a, of a, I would say blip in the drive-in community during the 2000s because of the oil crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're back up to about 300 drive-in movie theaters operating in the United States. Do you think that they will ever make a resurgence to be anywhere back to like the popularity that they once were? Um, I think that because uh, a lot of the the space is is pretty premium at the moment. Um, it maybe not all the way back up, yeah. but it's they're kind of crushing it at the moment. Uh, with you know all of the social distancing guidelines, it's a lot safer to stay in your car. Um, and people are itching to get out and do stuff, and this is pretty low on the list of of hazardous you know, the, the, the tough thing, and this is now where I'm going to get into a little bit of speculation, but I like to do this when it comes to like technology stuff. The tough thing is there's a part of me that says there is a thing on the horizon that could make the drive-in theater all but obsolete, and that is VR, mm. right? Is to be able to sit there with your family and all put on VR headsets. Because I remember the first time I ever like tested a modern day VR technology and watched a movie in it. And because of the way that it's situated on your face, they're able to play with like perspective in a way that it feels like the same scale as watching a movie in a theater. Yeah. Okay. But, but But you're not actually with your family. That's the thing is when it comes down to it, it becomes an experiential thing, right? Is this is, I also feel the reason theater uh, like live theater has existed for so long, and I think in some form or another will always exist, Mm -hmm. is like, yeah, you could sit at home, you could stream it, you could watch it, but there's something about being a part of a crowd, like concerts, all of those things, right? You can sit at home and listen to a live recording of a concert, but it is a different experience than being there live and watching it, right? Same thing with comedy, All live that. comedy. I think that there is something experiential. And like, that's the thing. I have wonderful memories about going to drive-ins of it being a very unique experience, right? That I hope we're able to like take BB2. And now that I know you've never been, take you two. <laughs> um, but like this idea of like being able to have this unique experience. I think the problem is though, when it comes to like going to movies, it has now reached such a level of convenience that like it can be an afternoon, like I'm not now, but there was times where it's like, well, there, I have an afternoon free BB. Do you want to go see a movie? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Or sometimes BB would be napping and I'd be like, okay, I know I have two hours and there's this movie I've been wanting to see. I'm going to go watch it at like one o'clock in the afternoon and didn't have to make big plans around it. No prep for it. Went, watched it, came home. Yeah. That like, I just don't know that a driving could ever compete with as far as like becoming a regular thing. Um, I, I think that I, it certainly wouldn't be, um, it, the convenience can't be beat, right? Right. But the thing is, uh, there was an article in Variety um, where there's a theater in um, upstate New York called the Transit Drive-In, owned by Rick Cohen, and he said specifically that he's been juggling media questions, you know, pretty much since his season started. Um, that he actually doesn't like the idea that the drive-in is is 
getting a, a resurgence in popularity. He said that um, drive-ins aren't having a resurgence. Drive-ins have always been doing well. It's a resurgence of the media remembering that drive-ins still exist. Huh. So I think that although there are, you know, there's pros and cons to the convenience of, like you said, you know, a day screening yeah. um, and going to a theater. But there's also like... This is something that has kind of always been around, um, and it's a really great connection to community and history. Okay, now before we wrap up, if I were going to go to a drive-in, which now I really, really want to, yes, what is some etiquette and some behavior I should observe? Okay, so if you're going anywhere outside of your car in this time of COVID-19, please do wear your mask if yes. you're going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so once you get there, you want to turn off all of your lights completely so that you don't disrupt anybody's viewings. Um, and if you aren't staying the whole night for all the features, try and make your exit with just your low lights on or, you know, during the break between the movies. Um I suggest that you shut your car off if you can help it. Um, so you can bring a portable radio to listen to the movie. Um, or if you have that, uh, if it's the one where you have the external spe- speaker that you hook into your car, um, it's better for the engine noise and the exhaust and all that stuff. And, you know, with the lights going, don't tap your brakes, yeah. right? That's distracting. Um, you do want to be mindful of other people's views because not every view is completely unobstructed. But un- ex- uh, unobstructed. Unobstructed, thank yes. you. Um, and it's cool if you want to open up the back of your car to lay in, but if you have something with a, a, high, um, a high trunk, Try and get something so you can maybe tie it down just a little bit so it doesn't poke up above your car. Mm. Um, or you could even park near the back, right? Yep. You could bring, you could park at the back and bring a lawn chair. Um, also be careful of kids. We talked about a lot of these places have, uh, have playgrounds and you know the, the bathrooms. You have to walk through other cars. Um, a lot of these places, the, Speed limit is like five miles per hour, and there's a reason for yeah. that. Um, so here's the thing about the food, right? Uh-huh. I think that in normal circumstances, I would encourage people to patronize, patronize the uh, the provided concessions. Here's However, the secret, Well, I will say real quick, before you sneak in that bag of M&Ms and snow caps or what have you, I worked at a movie theater for a couple of years, and the thing I learned is like, I didn't work there a couple of years. What I mean is a couple of months, is that <laughs> um, most of the time there's very little money made on ticket sales, and the overhead and like the the margin is in concessions. So right. if you like movie theaters, buy food there. So I, in any ordinary circumstance, I would say don't bring your own food in. But I think that everyone is willing to make a. a an exception yes. for the sake of public health. Um, also, have a trash bag in your car. It is not good manners to litter. Ever. Um, so keep a trash bag with you so you can throw that out. Um, also, I 
I love myself a little bit of public display of affection. I think that everyone can choose for themselves what would be uh, appropriate for the age group that you might be with, for the audience you're among, for the placement of your car. Um, I'm not here to tell anybody what to do with their bodies, but I think that it's something that you need to think about what your boundaries are when you go to these places. Um, bring things like bug spray. If you're going to have your car doors open, car windows open, bring jumper cables. (laughs) (laughs) Because if people are leaving their cars on, there might be a need to jump one or two from the batteries. Um, Bring blankets, right? Because if you want to take turn your car off and open your windows, it's probably going to get cool inside your car. Um, And if you want to, Wear your pajamas. Be comfortable. Yep. Um, you you know need to make sure that you are uh, clothed for the elements if you need to get out and use the restroom. But nobody's looking at you, and it's nighttime. Be comfy. That all sounds great, and that's going to do it for us. So thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. Uh, go check out all the other amazing shows on MaximumFun.org. They are great. Um, let's see what else. Uh, oh, go to McElroyMerch.com to check out, uh, the new stuff as well as all the old great stuff. We have a new 20 honey down to business pen, which if you don't listen to my brother, my brother and me, you won't understand, but it's still beautiful. It's a cute little pen. It's still beautiful. There is also a really wonderful, uh, wonderful poster. Ha <laughs> That's uh, their tagline, is, right? It is. <laughs> So it's a wonderful, wonderful poster. It's a wonderful, wonderful poster. Go check that out. And you can go to McElroy.family to check out all the other McElroy shows and projects. What else? Who do we normally thank, Teresa? We always thank Brent Retrofloss Black for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Also, thank you to Kayla and Wassel for our Twitter thumbnail art. That is at SchmannersCast. When we ask for, um, for audience questions, that's where we get those from. So you can tweet at us there. Also, thank Thank you to Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for the cover banner of our fan run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. Uh, if you love to give and get excellent advice from other fans, you can go and join that group. Um, oh, and we also want to thank our researcher, Alex, without whom we would not be able to do this show. Thank, thank you so you, much. Alex. Thank you. We also would like to thank everyone who has sent in some great ideas to our email, which is schmannerscast at gmail.com. Um, that's where we get a lot of our topics. And uh, we are glad to see so many of them rolling in. Keep them coming. Yeah, a lot of people have been uh, emailing in great uh, suggestions for idioms. Mm-hmm. To talk about, if yeah. you haven't listened to our idioms episode, check that out. And then if you have idioms you want us to discuss in part two, let us know. That'll be coming up soon because it's a lot of fun and I don't want to wait too long. <laughs> uh, so that's going to do it for us. Join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. <gasps> Get it. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.